Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Two Chairs No Waiting, episode number 770, The Man Hunt. Two Chairs No Waiting is brought to you each week by the folks over at WeaversDepartmentStore.com. If you didn't get what you wanted at Christmas time, or even if you did, you might not have got everything you wanted, head over to Weavers and check it out. You can get the Mayberry Day-by-Day Flip Book calendar. You can get a daily calendar from the Andy Grove Show. Get a wall calendar, too, while you're there, maybe. And you might want to check out the Mayberry Rerun Watcher's Guide for Season 2 episodes of the Andy Griffith Show by our very own Spirit Walker. Head over to Weaver's Department Store and check it out. Two Chairs No Waiting is also brought to you by donations from listeners just like you. Our executive producer for episode number 770 is Bob Mundy, who's suffering through the cold weather that's occurring currently. We got uh, the high sheriff of Two Chairs No Waiting for episode number 770 is Chris Merrill, and our Patreon patron of the week is Billy Lennox. Hello, everybody. I'm Alan Newsom, the host of Two Chairs No Waiting, and we are starting to kind of work our way through some of the episodes. <laughs> I have done 770 episodes in the range, anyway, and have really never gone through most hardly any of the episodes from the show and kind of hit some high points and talked about them and just uh, gone through that. So we started that last week. We hit the very first episode of the Andy Griffith show, the new housekeeper. And so tonight uh, that's going to be the first thing we do. We're going to play a little bit of trivia and then hear a little bit from uh, at least one of you guys with a voicemail that we got. So like I said, in this episode, we're going to talk about the very, this is the second episode of the Andy Griffith show, and it is uh, called the man hunt. Uh, the original air date for that was October the 10th in 1960. The writers were Jack Ellison and uh, Charles Stewart, and it was directed by John Weiss, W E I S Weiss Weiss. I'm not sure which way you say it. Uh, hey, some of the things you'll see in this one is, uh, if you'll remember, thinking back, think back about the episode. Most of us have seen them so many times, we can just start talking about it and begin to remember uh, you know, what we saw and, and what happened on those. But on this episode, we saw, we saw the first occurrence of Otis that was in this one. And we also, I believe it was Emma's first one. I don't think she was in the first episode, was she? I don't remember mentioning or talking about her last week. So I'm pretty sure Emma uh, Brand, I believe she is in this one. 
uh, is uh, this is her first episode as well. So wow, and can you believe? Uh, it's just hard to believe uh, that, isn't it? But it's the manhunt, and so it's uh, the second episode filmed and aired. So sometimes these episodes are aired out of order from what they were filmed in. Just a little. Little tidbit. All right. So uh, as we get started here, the very first thing I want to do, though, is correct some stuff from last week. Okay. So last week in the show notes, I had already corrected this, but we did have a, I guess, a write-in correction that is correct. Uh, So I was using the Andy Griffith Show, the definitive Andy Griffith Show reference. And it is a great book. And it was written back in the 1990s, I believe, late 90s. Let me look. 1996 is when it was published. And so there are a few things in there that since then we have learned to be true. Uh, before that, we did not know it was true. So let's uh, let's go into this. Uh, one of the things I got, a, I got a message is from Paul Mulek. He's a very good trivia person, by the way. And Paul wrote in to say that Don Knotts, because I mentioned last week he was playing the harmonica that maybe he could really play. He said Don Knotts could not really play the harmonica, at least not at first. He couldn't really play. Those Gossman men, that episode, he he really was blowing it, but he was not playing it, is what he said. He, he just randomly blow air through it, holding it upside down to boot, you know, so he just didn't do it. But later in the Loaded Goat episode, when he plays Juanita, it's a very simple tune, Don may have actually learned to play it by then. Okay, so that was a correction he had for me, just in case. I, I, always, I always try to be correct when we're doing this, but uh, I just, you know, there's errors. There's things that pop up or I say incorrectly. All right, here's the other big one. Now, this is the bigger one that I did catch. As we're going, he says, uh, Paul wrote to say, that is not a photo of young Francis Bavier on the wall. So what I had said erroneously was that there was a publicity photo of a young Francis Bavier on the wall of the Taylor's living room in that first episode. Uh, but as Aunt B first came into the Taylor home and was talking, they went to the kitchen. After that, as they walked by, there's between the kitchen door and the front door on that wall that's over uh, uh, of the kitchen, there's a picture hanging there. It's a photograph or an image hanging there. And it was reported in the definitive Andy Griffith Show book and as well a reference as, as well as in other places that that was a publicity photo of Francis Bavier. That's what people thought. It is incorrect. And I, and I did find that uh, even before the episode actually published, but I had already recorded it and I, I didn't go back and fix it. So what that actually is, is a, it's a, it's artwork called a child with an apple, a child with an apple. And it's by John Baptiste Gruise. I don't know. His last name is G R E U Z E. I'm, I'm from Alabama. I can't say that. I don't know how that's said. I didn't get taught phonics. I don't know, but it's G-R-E-U-Z-E, but I can say John Baptiste, and it will be in our show notes telling you this, so if you want to go and look, you'll see it, but it's actually that photo. It's a, it's a, 
you can't really tell if it's a little girl or a little boy, actually, in the actual painting. But they've got an apple in front of them. Anyway, that was mistaken uh, for years as being Frances, a publicity photo of her when she was younger. And it does appear throughout the different episodes, in several different episodes. As a matter of fact, it appears in The Manhunt. It appears in that episode as well. Uh, okay. So I wanted to correct that and make sure you guys all knew that that is that it's a, that that's who that was. Now I had found it, and I thank Paul for writing in to tell us. I had already found that as because it was pointed out in Randy Turner's fantastic collection of essays called Mayberry First that you can get at Weavers. By the way, it's a great book. If you a great book, uh, it's called Mayberry First. He had pointed out that that in fact was a paint a print of the painting child with an apple is by a french artist uh, from the 18th century so paul uh, paul thank you for pointing it out randy turner thank you as well for correcting the information and i hope you will forgive me for giving you some bad information i hate spreading bad news or bad information because then you know then it gets out and people start thinking somebody else is Aunt B when it's really glory to Haven. You just don't want it. You don't want that. <laughs> okay, so now let's get into this. This week, we're talking about uh, the manhunt. So the manhunt is the episode of the Andy Griffith Show. There's the second one, as I've already mentioned. Uh, it starts off with Andy and Opie out fishing in the fishing hole, and they're in their boat. And life is good. And so they're having a good time out there fishing. Uh, so in this episode, uh, Andy and Barney are the brunt of a bunch of ghost uh, jokes by the state troopers who come to town in Mayberry. And we see all that happen throughout the episode. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 the police, the state police just don't think that Andy and Barney are any help whatsoever uh, until Andy is able to prove that he might not be just a country bumpkin uh, person. And the state police actually realize that when Andy actually captures the convict basically by himself. So I'm not going to go through the actual storyline because you guys already know this, right? So, you know, Andy and Barney or Andy and Opie, Andy and Opie are out uh, fishing, and Andy realizes that Gertrude, the uh, boat, is got a leak in it. So they go to the shore eventually, and they they and after they get on shore, Barney comes driving up, and this is one of the things I've always thought is interesting. There are there are quotes that occur during the Andy Griffith Show that. I think fans tend to say often, and this is only the second episode of the Andy Griffith show. And already I think this is one that gets said a lot of, uh, it's big. Oh, it's big, 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 oh, big ain't the word for it. Well, Barney goes through that whole thing in this particular episode, you know, just right after it gets started. Uh, so that, that is a line that I think many of us associate with Barney having said, and, you know, in all honesty, he probably only said it on this one episode. Now, you, you guys are going to have to help me remember if that is a true statement. He may have said it in other episodes later. Uh, but Andy and Barney go to the courthouse. They, they, you know, they get there after Barney has 10-4'd everybody. 
and made sure that uh, <laughs> that that uh, they realize that he's finished talking to him, even though he's already driven to talk to Andy and give him the big, oh, uh, it's big news there. Uh, but they drive back up to the courthouse, and uh, and as they do, you know, we we see them getting out of the car. So let, let me just say this: we'll go ahead. The cast in this episode, the regular cast members, are Andy Griffith. Don Knotts, Ron Howard, Francis Bavier, Hal Smith, who I had mentioned, makes his first appearance as Otis Campbell, and Cheerio Meredith. I guess this is her second appearance, so she must have been in the first episode. I said she wasn't, but she was uh, as Emma Brand. So she was in last week's episode as well, uh, the new housekeeper. I think that's when Barney, he arrested her, didn't he? He arrested her, bad deputy. Yes, I remember now. <laughs> So she's been in both episodes already. Uh, and, and of course, in this episode, as we move along, there is uh, Andy and Barney are kind of, you know, set to the side uh, by the state police. Uh, and uh, and this is kind of an interesting fact. So the squad car in this episode, if you look at it, you can see it is actually a DC. It is the JL327 squad car tag that's on the car. And when the state police come rolling up, they actually have in the front of their squad car, the DC two, six, nine. So, all right, hold with me, all you nine super Mayberry fans. So the Andy Griffith show, normally the squad cars tag number is JL three, two, seven, just, just a little trivia for you. If you didn't know, and the other times, there's a few times when it's not JL327 and it is has a tag on it that's DC269. Well, in this particular episode, the state police, their car says DC269. So just a little more, a little more trivia for you. As they drive up, you can see it clearly on the front of the car. And Andy and Barney are watching them pull up and they all come in and there's like all these people coming in. And during that, we actually hear the manhunt. That music is playing as they're coming in. And later we, we actually think that as being Barney's theme. So I'm going to skip around a little bit now. We're going to talk about some of the cast members that appear in this episode. So if you'll remember, Andy and Barney are kind of put on the sidelines and told, "Hey, don't, uh, don't, don't be going out, and you, you just stay here and take care of local matters, and we'll do, uh, we'll do the, the manhunt portions." Well, in this episode, Barney is sent down, and he is guarding the, the road that goes by the the lake. Right. So in this, we actually see Dick Elliott appears for the first time as the mayor of Mayberry. In upcoming episodes, we're going to refer to him as Mayor Pike. But in this episode, he's simply called the mayor. And it's uh, Barney is stopping and frisking everybody. And one of the people he frisks is the mayor. All right. So that's that's what he's doing. So Mayor Pike's character was based on, at least according to the definitive Andy Griffith show reference. So if you have different information, please let me know. It says that it was based on a resident of Andy Griffith's hometown of Mount Airy, North Carolina. The gentleman's name was Floyd Pike, was his name, and he was a well-respected businessman. Now, Dick Elliott, uh, he made well over 60 films during his career, 
He was a wonderful comedic actor, and he guest starred on series like Superman, The Rifleman, and I Love Lucy. Matter of fact, he appeared on I Love Lucy twice. Uh, first, he was in an episode that was called Lucy uh, is Invictious. Uh, he appeared as a man named Henry. And then he was a spectator at the Cleveland Indians New York Yankees baseball game in an episode of I Love Lucy called Lucy and Bob Hope. That one should be easy to find with Bob Hope. Uh, Dick Elliott's unique manner of speaking and his flair for comedy uh, served him well, especially in films. Uh, among his movies that he appeared in was Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, starring Jimmy Stewart. Uh, he was in a movie called Winter Time, which I'd never heard of before in 1943. He was in Christmas in Connecticut with Barbara Stanwyck, and we'll be talking about that in a couple of minutes as well, I believe. Uh, uh, and he was in a movie called Night Unto Night. Never heard of that. Uh, but he was in it, that actually featured President Ronald Reagan before he was president. I thought that was kind of interesting. He was in a movie called Don't Knock the Rock in 1956 that had Bill Haley and his comets and Little Richard in it. I thought that was that was pretty cool. All right, so as I said, we're going to mention in a minute, we were talking about um, Mr. Schwamp. Okay, so Christmas in Connecticut and Mr. Schwamp, actually, is where, that's where this is coming from. So there is uh, some comments that we had gotten recently. Uh, let's see, did I get that video? I, I'm, yeah, I've got the audio for that. So let's hear from them now instead of hearing from it later. We'll go and hear from her now. Uh, this is a voicemail that we got in uh, that is about that particular movie. So let's hear from uh, Pat and Tina from Arizona. Let's hear from them. Hey, Ellen. Uh, this is Pat and Tina from Surprise, Arizona. We've uh, watched The Mayberry Man, uh, streamed it on cable, watched it about three times, bought it on DVD, watched it on DVD. We think that uh, you're one of the most greatest highlights of the movie. Uh, just was introduced to two chairs, no waiting, uh, watched the, listened to the last podcast and watched and didn't get much out of it. Cause you did the top 20 of your own shows and it being the first show, <laughs> but we're going to check this out. Tina say hello. Hello. Fantastic job. Love the movie. So excited to have it in our collection here at home. We have the entire collection of Andy Griffith and now Mayberry man. Thank you so much. We're hoping out to, to get out to uh, Mount Airy during the Mayberry days uh, this year, hopefully, knock on wood. But really, really, really enjoyed the Mayberry man, and uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That is not the message I thought I was going to play. Uh, it was when I thought I was going to play, but not right there. Uh, I have a message, and I must not have it ready to play. And so I'll play it for you next week, but let's go ahead and talk about it and we'll, we'll hit it up next week as well, because this is about Christmas in Connecticut and somebody had called in and pointed out, and I will play your audio if, uh, if I can find it, cause I thought I had that tonight, but thanks to Pat and Tina for calling in. That was very nice. What you said about Mayberry man. If you guys haven't seen Mayberry man, I'll give it a plug, go out and watch Mayberry man. The links will be in the show notes where you can go and watch it. Uh, so Christmas in Connecticut is a movie that, as I mentioned, uh, Mayor uh, Pike was in, Dick Elliott, and 
in that movie, there's a scene where they're walking, they're having a dance of some kind. And as they walk through the, that scene, uh, there is what everybody kind of agrees looks like Mr. Swamp sitting over there as he always does, even on the Andy Griffith show, uh, not dancing with anybody. (laughs) So it is in a scene, as I said, during the movie with Barbara Stanwyck is in this movie uh, and Dick Elliott is in the movie and they are walking by and he's just in it for a second as the, as a man's walking by to look out the window to see where I think Barbara Stanwyck went because she left and went outside. And this is believed to be Mr. Schwump. Nobody knows for sure, but boy, there's a lot of people that believe that that is exactly who it is. So I just wanted to mention that since we were talking about Christmas in Connecticut, I'm sorry. I don't have the daggum voicemail that I thought I had ready to play, but I will find that one uh, just so they get credit. So thanks. Thanks for that. All right. So we also had in uh, this, this scene where Barney was down at the lake road, uh, stopping people. Uh, we also had a Norman Levitt, Norman Levitt. Now you, you, you can't, you may not remember. He's actually the first person that Barney stops when he's driving through. Now he comes through and he appears as Cal. Well, Levitt would later appeal on, appear on other episodes of the Andy Griffith show, most notably as Wally, the owner of Mayberry's only gas. I'm going to walk. I'm going to rock forward. Watch your toes. You know, that one, that's him. That's, that's the same man, Norman Levitt. But in this episode, he played a man called, named Cal, the, and instead of Wally, uh, uh, this, uh, so Norman Levitt, uh, Levitt was a Dow dour looking, uh, funny man. Uh, he's made many television appearances on series like the Adams family, the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, on the Beverly Hillbillies. He was on one called uh, the Clampets and the Dodgers in which, uh, coach Leo Dozier, uh, likes Jethro's pitching arm. Anyway, Levitt plays an attendant, uh, in that movie or in that TV series. He was in the big Valley. He was on Dennis, the menace, uh, Desi Lou playhouse, he was in a three-hour-long episode of a variation of I Love Lucy uh, as part of Lou Playhouse, including a, an appearance as a chauffeur in the final episode, uh, Lucy Meets a Mustache in 1960. Hmm, there you go on I Love Lucy. Uh, Green Acres, uh, he was on there. He was on Gunsmoke, uh, the, the Guns of Will Sonnet. He was there. Kung Fu, he was in Kung Fu. He was on Lassie. My goodness. He was on Mayberry IFD. He appeared in a few episodes as Mailman Felton on the Andy Griffith or on Mayberry RFD, just so you're aware. Uh, he was on the Monsters. No, not, not, did I say the Monsters? The Mr. Ed. He was on Mr. Ed, Rawhide, The Twilight Zone. And that one, he played uh, Sheriff Gilcrest uh, in an episode. Uh, he's on Wagon Train, The Wild Wild West. He's also appeared in several movies, including The Harvey Girls in 1946 with Judy Garland. Uh, he was in Yellow Sky in 1948 with Gregory Peck. Uh, anyway, he was in The Long, Long Trailer in 1954 with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and Howard McNair was in that episode or in that movie. Uh, he was in Friendly Pursuit. 
He was in a movie I can't say. Friendly Persuasion. There you go. In 1956 with Gary Cooper. Uh, he's in McHale's Navy. Uh, joins the Air Force. That's <laughs> what it's called. Uh, in 1965 with Tim Conway. Just all those amazing, amazing things that he was able to do. Of course, in this episode, Barney stopped him. Even though he knew his name was Cal and everything, he ended up making Cal get out of the car so he could frisk him uh, because he might not know. uh, (laughs) He might might be the criminal in disguise. He might be in disguise. Uh, So the last person that we see him pull over in that episode is a lady. Now, (laughs) this is the only time, by the way, we ever saw Barney's mother. That's right. So Barney pulled over his own mother uh, and stopped her at the checkpoint and and made her get out so he could search her. Uh, Her only line is, but Barney, I'm your mother. So the actress who played this uh, character, Barney's mother, her name is Lillian Culver. That's right. Culver City. That's who she is. The Culver's that owned Culver City, that started Culver City, California. Lillian Culver was the wife of the man who started it uh, and ran, uh, started Culver City. So that's her. And just as a little side note, according to my notes, she is a distant cousin of Brad Pitt. Now, I don't know how distant, but uh, she is a distant cousin of Brad Pitt. Uh, a few other people that we see in this is uh, Burt Mustin. Uh, he makes his first appearance on the series. He's sitting outside the the courthouse over there. He's sitting out there. Uh, he always portrayed a Mayberry resident uh, with time on his hands. You know, in other words, he just sitting around doing nothing. He was probably retired. I mean, Bert was not young. So Bert Mustin was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on February the eighteenth, eighteen eighty four. And he passed away on January the 28th, which is not long from now, in 1977. Before he began his television and movie career, at the age of 67, by the way, uh, he was a car salesman. Yeah. On television, he had regular roles in miniseries. Many, not many, not miniseries, but a lot of series, uh, including uh, Date with the Angels which I've never heard of that one, is Mr. Finley in 1957 and 58. Ichabod and Me, Ichabod and Me, he played Olaf in 1961 and 62. Uh, Then he was uh, in All in the Family as Jason Quigley in the 1970s, and 73 and 76. And Phyllis, he was on Phyllis as Arthur Lanson in 1976. From 1950 to 1965, he was seen many times in the Jack Benny show as a guard of, he was the guard of Jack Benny's bank vault down, <laughs> down in his basement. You know, uh, he was also, uh, Gus, the fireman on leave it to beaver. Uh, his, his list of guest appearances is very extensive, so I'm not going to try to do them all, but let's just hit a few. He was on the fugitive, get smart. I love Lucy, uh, Gomer Pyle, uh, maybe RFD. The Beverly Hillbillies, Bewitched, Dick Van Dyke, My Three Sons, The Brady Bunch, uh, Martin and uh, Martin and uh, Rowan and Martin's Laugh In. He was on Batman, the Adam West <laughs> version, and he was on a couple of really 
rememberable Twilight Zone episodes as well. Uh, he, uh, he appeared in the one where Art Carney uh, was a drunk that turned into Santa Claus. Do you remember that one? That was, uh, that was, he was in that one as one of them. Uh, anyway, he did a bunch of movies as well. Uh, amazing stuff that uh, our own Bert was able to do. Uh, Chester Jones, you low down cheating buzzard or whatever it is. He says. Uh, so he thanked Barney for thinking he was uh, young enough, not in this episode, but uh, that he was young enough to actually disturb the peace. Uh, he thought that was great. Uh, let's see anybody else. Oh, Ken Lynch. So Ken Lynch, if you don't know who that is, he is the state police chief. It is Ken Lynch is his name. And he, uh, appears as Captain Barker on this episode. Uh, he made a career out of character acting and portraying policemen and investigators in movies and television shows. He did tons of this. He was a regular performer uh, on the 1949 to 1954 TV series, The Plains Closeman. The Plain Closeman. Uh, his character was simply referred to as the Lieutenant. <laughs> Most viewers know him as Sergeant Grover from the television series McLeod that ran from 1970 to 77. He also appeared on countless programs, guest stars, among other, many of them are All in the Family, Big Valley, Bonanza, Dick Van Dyke Show, The Fugitive. I mean, again, keeps going on. He was on Perry Mason, Star Trek, the original series. He was on it, uh, Wagon Train, Wild Wild West. Just his list is a very long. Uh, you can definitely look him up. Ken Lynch. Uh, he, he was, uh, another star of this episode that, uh, that we definitely wanted to mention, mention as we went through. So the captain was great. And I pity you men working under Andy. If he, uh, doesn't get his, his, if he's hungry, cause he gets so ill. So that was the captain there. Uh, Folks, there's just so much that happens during this episode. Uh, you have Andy, he catches a fish at the beginning of the episode. Remember, he's putting on some uh, bait, and Opie says, well, Pa, that's just some of our <laughs> our lunch, and it's ham for them lunch, right? So he uses ham as bait, and Opie is, is sure that nobody uh, except Andy has ever thought to use uh, ham as bait. Uh, during the during fishing, Otis Campbell he he uh, we find out he sings in the Mayberry Choir in this episode because you know in the release Otis Barney says you got civic pride don't you uh, you can stick around he said I can't uh, tonight's choir practice so <laughs> Otis leaves uh, let's see uh, three of Captain Baker's uh, state troopers are named Wilson Walters and Porter there's you some trivia. Uh, Barney claims to have perfect 2020 vision when he's uh, left out to monitor the road there. Andy mentions that uh, Emma brand suffers from sciatica. Remember that uh, it's affliction basically that causes pain in the back and hips and legs there. So that's uh, Emma has that. Have you ever known it not to bother her? Have you ever known everything to be all right with her? No, that's what Andy and Barney go through. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Barney refers to the squad car as unit one, Mayberry unit one. Yeah. Remember that? 
Uh, Andy refers to Barney as his cousin once again. So this is the first and second episode. He mentions Barney being his cousin. Uh, the uh, criminal, the criminal in this episode's name is Dirksen. Y'all all remember seeing him, right? So he is, remember, he has captured Emma up in the in Emma's house and has her has her in there. That's when Andy sets it up so that she can, uh, so that they can get him to uh, go down and steal Gertrude because he knows it's going to sink. So Dirksen's mugshot number, as we see earlier, is seven four five eight but we see on the back of his shirt when he's with emma that his convict id number is two six oh four three two six oh four three it's very quick so you've really got to be looking for that so dirksen's id number on the back of his shirt is two six oh four three all right so you got that cool uh, so then Barney accidentally shoots his gun for his first time. That's the first time we ever see him do it. It's obviously not the first time he's ever done it because Andy immediately, uh, you know, well, Andy was already not letting him have a one bullet. Right. And so <laughs> we already know that because Barney starts looking for his bullet and then realizes, uh, you know, that he didn't have it. He can't find it. So Andy says, fill up your gun. And so Andy, it was already established somewhere, or at least in the lore, Barney shoots his gun when he's not supposed to. But this is the first time we ever see him do it uh, during the show. Andy and Barney's, I mentioned this already, Ford Galaxy is what they drive. The squad car is a Ford Galaxy. In this episode, it has the license plate that I mentioned, JL327. Uh, but that's the normal one that it always has. Uh, let's see. Uh, then finally, the last little bit of trivia as I mentioned before, the music that would soon become as known as Barney's theme, The Manhunt, is heard for the very first time in this episode of the of the show. So this is when we first hear it playing, and we know now that that music is is Barney's theme, right? We we know that's our, that's what we think of it as whenever we hear it as Barney's theme. So we know that. So it's this music. We hear this as the police are driving up in front of the courthouse. And that is Barney's theme, The Manhunt. So that is the music that we hear. Uh, and I got to assume it was written for this episode because it's called The Manhunt. That's the name of the episode as well. But we hear, we think of it as Barney's theme. So there you go. All right. So that's uh, that's basically the things I wanted to talk to you about that particular episode tonight. So I hope you have enjoyed that. I hope that's a little bit of information you might not have known. So now as you watch the episode, because I know you will, if you have Pluto.tv, the app, you can download it. It's for free. You can watch on-demand episodes of The Andy Griffith Show anytime you'd like. You can go there and watch it. You can order the DVDs from Weavers, or you can get the Blu-rays. That's what I've started uh, trying to watch the uh, images and stuff we were seeing on the video tonight, if you're watching the video, I tried to show images of uh, the things we're talking about. And those images are from the Blu-rays. So they're higher quality than my older images. But uh, what a great episode. I mean, all the episodes are great, but uh, a great episode. All right. So let's play some Mayberry trivia. Is everybody ready for that? 
Let me see here. Let's get our background music going for the Mayberry Trivia. There we go from the VW Boys. So Paul Mulick, our person who called in earlier or told us about the uh, painting being uh, what it was. Uh, so he sent in some trivia for us about Mayberry songs. Okay, so it's a Mayberry song quiz. So we're going to have five questions tonight. So are you ready to play along? So these are from Paul Mulick. So these are these are kind of hard. But here we go. Question number one. Question number one. What song, what's the title of it? What song is known as good old 14A? Ooh, what song is known as good old 14A? Ooh. Okay, so I'll let you think about it for just a second here. What song is known as good old 14A? Hmm? All right, so let's play it for you. I'll just play it for you. What song is known as that? What What is the actual name of the song? All right. I started to play it. You heard some of it there, and it stopped. I stopped it before you got to hear it all. But that is the song's name. The answer is Welcome Sweet Springtime is the actual name of the song. So if you guys got it, let's play it again. It's the very first line. There you go. <laughs> Welcome, Sweet Springtime is the name of the song. So did you get it? That's pretty good. good. All right, next question. So according to Paul, by the way, these are questions are arranged from the easiest to the hardest. There's 11 questions. We'll get to the 6 through 11 next week. Okay, so question number two. Question number two. Our chat room did pretty good on that question. How did you do? All right, question number two. I turned off our background music, didn't I? Well, well, let's let's see if we can get it. All right, what piece of what piece does the Mayberry band play? <laughs> if you guys don't get this, I'll have to whip you guys. What piece does the Mayberry band play when they audition for Mayor Stoner? <laughs> okay. If you don't get this, I'm hurt. I'm hurt if you don't get this one. What piece does the Mayberry Band play uh, when they're auditioning for Mayor Stoner? Okay, so and let me play it for you. <laughs> what piece does the Mayberry Band play when they audition for Mayor Stoner? It's Stars and Stripes Forever. It is kind of hard to tell. <laughs> This is it, though. Oh, that's really good. All right. Thank you, band. Thank you very much. All right. So that's the answer. Stars and Stripes Forever. Uh, there you go. The Mayberry Band. Okay. Number three. What song does Gomer sing while changing John Masters' flat tire? Ooh. What song does Gomer sing when he's changing John Masters' flat tire? I don't know if I have this. I don't know if I have a clip of this one. What song does John does uh, Gomer sing when he's changing John Masters' tire? I don't think I do have this one. 
Uh, I don't see it. If I have it, it's just not it's not coming up real quick for me. All right, guys, what do you, what is it? What song does he sing? And you don't have to spell it right. If you just get close, I will give you credit. Okay, so if you can just say it in your head, I will give you credit if you get it correct. The answer, the song he sings while changing John Masters' flat tire is Santa Lucia. Santa Lucia. That song, right? Uh, I'm almost sure I have it, but I can't. I can't put my finger on it. All right, next uh, next one. What song does Rafe Hollister sing? Now listen to the question very carefully. What song does Rafe Hollister sing as an encore at the Ladies League Musicale? What song does John? What song does Rafe Hollister sing as an encore at the Musicale? Oh, what song does he sing? Probably helped if I turned off the music, didn't it? Because now, you know, you got the other music playing while you're doing it. That would be kind of tough. All right. What, what song does Rafe sing? At, at, and it's the encore. Okay. All right. The answer. And it looks like people in the chat. Uh, uh, some got it a little bit. All right. The answer is in the chat room. They got it pretty close. It's New River Train. Riding on that New River Train. Riding on that new river train, same old train that brought me here. That song. Okay, that's what he sings. Now, if you said, look down that lonesome road, look down, look down that lonesome road. That one, you're wrong. <laughs> he did sing it, but that was the first song he sang at the musicale. And they said, Mr. Hollister, will you favor us with another? And he said, you want to? All right. And they sang New River Train. Okay, so that was the second song. So good job. Good job if you got that. Uh, New River Train. And finally, our last question. What was the very first song, which was from last week's episode? I didn't mention it, but it was from last week's episode. What was the very first song we ever hear Andy Taylor sing? What was the very first song we ever hear Andy Taylor sing? I don't think I have. I don't have any of these audio clips. I'll have to, I'll have to make sure I fix this for next week that we have all the clips. What was the very first song we ever hear Andy Taylor sing? What was it? All right. Pause if you don't want to know the answer because here comes the answer. The answer is the Crawdad song. You get a line, I'll grab a pole, honey. You get a line, I'll grab a pole, babe. That one. He sings it at the end of the episode, right at the end, when Opie comes back running out and saying that, you know, Dickie has come back and everything, and all is well in the world of Mayberry, the uh, Crawdad song, the Crawdad Hole. If you say that, I'll give you that. You get a line, you, I get a pole. Any of those, I will give you credit. The folks in the chat room are saying, you get a line, I get a pole. That's right. So that is. There's our first five of Paul Mulek's music song or Mayberry song trivia. Okay, so we got 11 questions, so we'll do all six next week. Uh, so how did you do? How was it? Did you did you do okay? I mean, how, how did you do? Did you have fun doing it? Uh, so, hey, we already heard the uh, voicemail for Christmas in Connecticut. So I feel, I feel like I should have... Uh, I've done a better job with that. I can't seem to find the actual 
voicemail that was about that. You already heard the one though that was bragging on Mayberry Man. Uh, and I, I really do appreciate that. That was very nice of them to say that. So uh, I want to thank them uh, for taking the time to call in. Uh, we've already covered that. We're 42 minutes in. So I think uh, it is time for us to start getting out of here. So folks, thanks for being here. You know, it's always fun to spend time in Mayberry. I hope you're enjoying these. I hope I hope the information is good, that you're enjoying it. You can order, not this version, but there's a newer version of the definitive Andy Griffith Show reference. has all kinds of information like what I'm covering in it. Uh, you can also head over to Mayberry.info. At Mayberry.info, uh, there's all kinds of information there as well about these episodes. And you can even add information there if you know how to edit a wiki. You can put it in and help increase the Mayberry knowledge of the entire world. <laughs> so, folks, hey, I would love to hear from you. You can give me a call at 888-684-8415. You can email me at floyd at imayberry.com or just get in touch with me however you'd like. I would love to hear from you. It's always great to hear from you. You hear from me every week, and uh, it's fun for me to hear from you. So thank you to, to those that have called in. You know, we had uh, Pat and Tina uh, called in from Arizona this week. Thank you. We've got some others that are in the queue that I'll be playing. So thanks to everyone. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next time right here on Two Chairs. Good night, everybody.